So hello everyone welcome to the bookish podcast by oh my book and i'm so excited today because i am going to interview the one and only sj tilly for those of you who don't know her probably like 0.5% of y'all sj <laughs> tilly is an american romance and contemporary author she has written a couple of series including the darling series sin series sleep series and the alliance series she writes about obsessive men and curvy women who get their happy endings she's very famous for her hockey romances also and she has her own podcast titled tall dark and fictional so definitely check out her podcast and give her a follow there like i did and without any further ado i would like to welcome ma'am so hello ma'am how are you doing today and how does it feel to be so cool <laughs> well thank you for that wonderful introduction i don't know that i'm really all that cool but i <laughs> appreciate the hype for it uh super excited to be here yeah it's fun having a podcast and so it's extra fun being on someone else's because i just have to show up and i don't have to do anything else <laughs> <laughs> yes so i'm very excited and your new book is uh coming out in the next i think 2 3 days uh 25th yeah. may king and i'm so excited i got an arc of this book and i cannot contain my excitement uh there's so much happening uh it's a dark mafia romance and so i just want to start by asking what do you think makes a dark romance dark like is it the spice or is it the vulgar language or is it the trauma the insecurities uh, or maybe the you know the realities of life discussed so what according to you makes it dark Yeah, that's a great question and I think like so many things with romance like everyone's going to have a different answer but for me it's really it's like the themes and really whether or not you have like a content warning on your book cuz as you've said like I have my sin series which is romantic suspense and but I but it's not dark you know I don't think it's dark but there's like a stalker but it's kind of like a small part of the book and <laughs> you know the good guy always wins. So I think like with the dark you get into kind of those those iffy areas like the gray areas really with like someone's been kidnapped which obviously is bad, right? In real life all this stuff is bad. In real life we don't like king. In the book world we love him and it's fine and it's okay. <laughs> But when you get into kind of yeah like that really personal trauma some of the darker back stories anything that has in its you know and that's kind of again a, a a gray area everyone has a different opinion because when you get into content warnings but there are some like just like small town romances that will have content warnings because of you know whatever sort of themes that they have throughout the book so it's i don't know i feel like violence plays a role sometimes when you get into the darker romance for sure and how really how much of any of it is on page um and it's always to like anyone listening that is curious or isn't quite sure if they want to feel free to reach out to the author to ask more i have people cuz in both nero and king they talk about human trafficking which is obviously a very terrible thing it's prevalent around the world um but they only talk about it and so in my content warning i have like discussions of human trafficking cuz you will never see the girls you're never seeing their point of view you're never seeing like 
on page assault in that sense, but it's there. So it's like a thread that's there. And I've had a few people reach out to me directly and I'm always I'm kind of amazed at how open people are mm-hmm. um, when they'll like I've had two separate people that are like, oh, I was actually human trafficked as a teenager. And I just want to make sure that. Yeah, right. And I've had more than one person tell me this, which is like terrible because it shows how prevalent it really is. But also like they want they're OK reading the story if it's there, but they don't want to see it on page. I'm like, this is a safe space. <laughs> but I'm also like, I can tell you any chapters that discuss it. You know, so if you have a specific trigger or something you're worried about, like reach out to the author. For the most part, they'll respond and they can tell you like which chapters to skip if you just really don't want to see that, you know? Hmm. Yeah, that that's really important. And even I didn't think about directly reaching the, out to the author because that can be actually helpful. Sometimes it might not be exactly clear even through the content warnings. So that's a good uh, thing to take. And authors are very open and very helpful, I've seen. Uh, it's very easy to reach out to them. So I should also definitely try that. Okay, so I'm excited to talk about King and I, I have so many <laughs> things up in my uh, brain here. So, okay. But before that, I also want to ask you one thing because you write so many romances. What was, which was the first romance you read uh, or which was the first dark romance you read? Yeah, so the first book I ever wrote was Sleet Kitten. So my hockey series is the first one I wrote and I wrote those three books and then I wrote Mr. Sin and Sin 2 and I did all that before I published um, because I didn't know how to publish. I didn't know that self-publishing was really a thing. I didn't understand that you could just like make an Amazon account and upload your book. Like, (laughs) So I had five completed books and I had tried reaching out to agents. No one wanted me, which now I would love to like be like, hey, (laughs) but So then I, long story short, ended up talking to an author and she told me to do the rapid release and just release all five books five months in a row. So that's what I did in 2021. So Sleek Kitten was the first one I wrote, but I actually published Mr. Sin first just because I thought it would be a stronger book to start with. Little did I know that Sleek Kitten would still be my most read book, you know, so (laughs) that was Maybe not the right choice, but it doesn't really matter because I didn't have any followers at the time. I was just like a baby author, just pushing them all out. Um, But Nero was the first dark romance I wrote. Mm -hmm. And I originally had planned to start this year, 2023, with Sleep 4 because all of my series are unfinished. So I still have another Sleep book. I have another Sin book. I have another Darling book. And my plan was to do all three of those this year to finish out my series. And then the idea for Nero came into my head. And I had it, I had the outline ready to go. And I was like, I just have to write this one. And now that I'm in the dark world, I'm just, I'm I'm just going through this series. So yeah. everything got pushed back a year. <laughs> yes, I, I was actually so excited. I thought uh, it would end that King. But when I finished King, I saw something there. And I was so excited that there's one more <laughs> book coming out. Okay, I can't say anything more. I'll keep it. That's okay. I will tell you, there are actually four books in this series. Oh, so. Okay. Yeah, I was so going gonna... to ask that at the end, but <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> spoiler. No, no, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so with the arcs sent out and everybody already reading it, how has the response been so far? It's been Spot really King. good. Yeah, it's been really good. People really liking. This is, I think, my least stressful release every release is always nerve-wracking because it's a it's a whole it's a whole book that you're putting into the world and you don't know how people are going to react to it and like every time you start a new series it's a whole different vibe and so you don't know how people will like it and people really did like Nero 
so I felt a little better about it. But King, if you you know you've read both, like King's fairly different from Nero, like just the yes. way the book goes. Um, but like all the responses have been good. There's like that one scene at the end that's like really messed up, and everyone's <laughs> loved it. And I was yes. I was I was nervous about that because I was like, oh man, people are gonna be like, this is too far. But not a single person has said anything other than like, oh my god, I loved it. <laughs> yeah, so. it's been the opposite. Everybody was yeah. loving it. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I guess I wasn't too far. Okay, good. Yes. It's all like everybody's crazy here. You can go both yeah. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Clearly. Yes. So that's really exciting. And for listeners here who don't know anything about the Alliance series, can you tell us what is King about and what's the plot about? Yeah. No, that's great. Well, and so it it's a little... I hate when it's like, well, it's like this, but it's not this. So they're mafia dark romances, but it's a little bit different than the kind of your classic mafia. Because I've read a ton of mafia books. I love mafia books, but it's not the family, right? Because normal mafia books are like, it's all in the bloodline. It's all the family. It's They've been there forever. So King and Nero run the Alliance. So that's where the Alliance series comes in. They both worked for different mafia families based out of Minnesota, and then when they found out, and this was about the human trafficking, right? They're so they're like bad guys with like, but they do good things, right? So like they just they're trying to take out these other other bad people. So they they wipe out the mafia families and join together to create the alliance. So it's not a classic mafia, but it's more like organized crime. So Nero, you know, book one. So King is he you know he's kind of the sleeper like he in Nero's book he was more of like just like a finance guy no one really knew that he ran the alliance too and then at the very end of that book he kind of has his coming out as you will uh when he it's just like you know what screw it people are gonna know I'm a part of this um the blurb really tells you what happens in the beginning of King so I'll just I'll just kind of walk through that right because then it might intrigue someone (laughs) to come to come into the book um and the blurb was kind of hard to write because it's very convoluted and like even in the blurb i say like are you confused so am i because i get it like (laughs) when you're trying to explain what's happening because the scene opens up on savannah who we haven't met before yes she's our like curvy painter we love her she's on a third date with this guy who's turning out to kind of be a d-bag and she's like I don't think I want to date him again, but we're already here. We're going to a friend's house. I'm bringing over a lasagna. We're going to have dinner. And they get there and walk in and she comes on the wrong day. So this was actually inspired by a real life moment where I, I didn't get kidnapped or see anyone get murdered, but I did show up on the wrong day to a dinner and I like brought a pan of lasagna and there was already enough like to my friend's house after she had back surgery so this part is all based off of real life events (laughs) and so I came the wrong day and a whole group of us were going to go over and there was already another couple there and so I called the friends that were supposed to come with us the next day because I came a day early and I was like hey I'm over here today you just want to come over I didn't know that the couple that was already there and the girl I invited that they had history so it became very awkward for other people that I didn't know about. Um, and so it was just because they had dated before and people didn't know and other people did. And it was a whole thing. Um, so after that moment, I was like, this is this is funny. I need to like. So that is what inspired this actual beginning of this book. So my friend is mortified because I'm like, now this lives forever in a book. Um, <laughs> your embarrassment. So anyways, so that's how how the whole idea came up. So 
Savannah shows up with her date to her friend's house, but she comes th- on the wrong day. She's a day early. Whoops. Um, and she's like, oh, well, I have another friend here already. Like, if you don't mind, her and her brother are here, but we can all just hang out together. And she's like, okay, sure. Because why wouldn't that be fine? And then she walks in and finds out that her date, her three-day date, is actually the husband of the woman who's sitting in the living room. And that woman is Aspen, who is King's sister, and King happens to be there. And as you can imagine, all hell breaks loose, right? Um, so that's the opening of the book. I don't like, I don't like wasting time with backstory before we just like jump into it. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, it starts out bad, and then she immediately goes, you know, that night to go pick up her car, but witnesses a murder instead and gets kidnapped by King, and the rest is history. So. <laughs> Love it, love it. I just love the beginning of the book. I think I I had loved Nero's beginning, but I I love this one more. This is very cool. <laughs> Thank you. So uh so again, Nero is very popular, and we get a an idea about King in the first book itself. But uh but I still feel like uh King was still not very clear in the first book. So. Uh, is do you think he's a little different from Nero, or is he similar to Nero? Because there are similarities, there are differences, and I tend to like King more than Nero. Uh, uh, but in this book, I was finding Nero also very funny. So I just want to ask, what are the differences and similarities between King and Nero, according to you? Yeah, I think they have a lot more similarities than they like to admit that they do. And because when you and it's always. I'm gonna, I'm gonna forget parts of these questions, but I'm gonna go back to. So it, when someone is a main character and when someone is a side character, it's like it's totally different. So like while I'm writing Nero and I get to put King in, he's just like there for kind of comic relief, like you know, like okay. their their bromance moments. Yeah, like yeah. it's like the funny sayings, but you don't have to like see his internal thoughts. You don't have to like really get into it. So he seems a lot more like just kind of like easygoing, funny, you know, during Nero's yes. book. And then you get ready to write his book and then I'm writing his book and you have to be in his mind and you realize, you know, that he is lonely and, you know, Mm. struggles with like a lot of his own things. But I think, and he views Nero and Peyton as just crazy. Like he thinks that they're just insane, even (laughs) though he's also like kidnapped a woman and made her marry him, you know? So like caught pot kettle, like he's very hypocritical (laughs) in some of his views. Um, But I think the real difference too for better or worse is that king did grow up with a family and kind of a messed up family um and we'll actually see more of that in book three um but but nero nero grew up with nobody right like Mm. he was a loner so his kind of like weird stalker behavior makes a little more sense because he's just always like latched on to like he just does whatever he wants whereas king has had to work more in like societal boundaries you know like he has to be like a citizen he had to play like the the finance guy and i think now he's finally getting to like let loose and kind of be himself and with savannah because now he's not like he's just he stole her and married her and she has to stay there whereas like he's not trying to like woo a woman that he like met you know like he's just like well you're you're here so now i get to be myself and i think (laughs) he's (laughs) he's on his own kind of journey throughout this book too (laughs) yes I love that. So interesting. And I think these listeners are getting pulled in right now to read this book because I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, <Okay>. Yes. <laughs> so again, I want to ask the same question for Savannah and Peyton because uh, I think somehow Peyton is a little uh, reserved than Savannah because she sometimes fights and is sometimes rebellious. 
I don't think Peyton is that rebellious. So do you think again they are similar or they are different? Or are, again, are there equal differences and similarities? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I have not thought about that. And that's I think too once we see it from King's point of view when he kind of looks back on Peyton and and Nero together, hmm. you realize that she is kind of just as unhinged as Nero is cuz like she just accepts it. You know, like she he walks in through her patio door and sits down and she's just like stays there and like opens her door to invite him in, you know, like I mean that and she's like, we're going to move in together. And she just like, she just goes along with all of it. And she yes. has her reasons, you know, and like her mm. backstory is sad and tragic. And like, she just wants someone to love her, you know, but like, but she like, when you really take a step back, you're like, oh yeah, she's like kind of as crazy as Nero is. But so I think Savannah is a little more, I don't want to say adjusted, but I think that is the, you know, like she also has her own family who doesn't approve of her following her her artist dreams you know wants her to like stay into law or just marry someone you know but she's also like been out in society so kind of like the difference with king too right so king had to be out and so she's been out running her own business selling paintings and like creating this world for herself but i don't think she realized how isolated she was like she when king you know is ends up blackmailing her and she has like some family that she kind of you know, messages on Facebook every once in a while, but like she doesn't have anyone close in her life, yeah. which makes it handy because then he can kidnap her and no one really notices that she's not at her house anymore, you know? Exactly. <laughs> so sometimes you have to have these certain sort of backstories in order to make it work into the story. Yeah. But I think too, like she, she's realizing like that she's okay with the darker sides too right like again fictional only fictional only we do not accept men like this in real life but in this world she's like you know what? i don't really care that you murder some people because they're bad guys you know like you made me an art studio <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like in the beginning there is the illusion of freedom and then that breaks and then the illusion of being captured but actually somehow that's freedom she experiences yeah yeah absolutely now I want to jump at a, another place about you being an author and I want to ask what do you think is the most easiest thing about being an author or what's the most favorite thing about being an author? Well, so specifically being an independently published author is that I can write whatever I want and mm-hmm. I really enjoy being able to do whatever I want with the story. Like they're my stories, they're my characters. I'm very much a control freak. Like I don't do well with feedback. <laughs> like my family knows this. I try, you know, but I'm I'm just not good at it. So that's my favorite part about being just like self-employed, self-published. I can do it however I want to do it, you know, and hopefully, and every my readers have been along for the ride and they've been great. Cause again, I was planning to start this year with Sleep four and I didn't do that. And no one has sent me any hate mail or been mad. You know, they're like, just like you write what you got to write and let it come out. But it, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm having fun just writing whatever, whatever I feel like. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. So what inspired you to start writing? Uh, Was it because you were a big reader or was it like one day I saw an author that I love and I want to start writing? So I've always been a reader, like since I was a little kid, like my mom has been, she was a big influence as far as reading. She's a librarian now, you know, like she's always been a pusher of books. I have photos of myself as a child, like asleep on my bed with a book on my face. (laughs) Um, Like, but I never, I didn't get into romance until 
after college. I think I was like 22 living in my mom's basement after, you know, graduating, moving home. And she gave me a romance book because I still read through college. It was all thrillers. Like I read a lot of Dean Koontz, Stephen King, stuff like that. I didn't know romance was a thing. And she gave me one. I read it. I'm like, oh, my God. I love this. (laughs) This is so good. And then from there, I started binge reading. And then I was like, so many romance readers are where I was reading three to five books a week. You know, once Kindle Unlimited to once I found that it was like game over, you know, like you can just (laughs) read book after book. But I traveled a lot um, for work. I used to work as a salesperson and I was in my car like three weeks a a month. I was always on the road. And so I just was listening to audiobooks all the time. And the more time you sit with your own thoughts, and I started to think of ideas and stories. And so the kiss cam scene from Sleet Kitten, which is arguably one of like the most famous scenes from my books, that like, I'm like, that would be fun. That would be a fun scene in a book. And I just kept thinking about it. And I finally just like wrote it in my notes app on my phone. And then I thought about it more. And then I would sit in the car for like six hours as I was driving somewhere and just think about it more and start like writing down more notes. And eventually I had an outline done for sleep kitten and I didn't even really think that I would write it I never had crossed my mind to write a book it was like I didn't go to school for it I never thought I'd be an author and then I just like sat down one night and I was like I'm just gonna start writing this I guess and wrote chapter one and sent it to my mom because <laughs> I sent everything to my mom mm-hmm. and she was like oh this is cool you should totally do this and so I did <laughs> and I just kept going so that must have required guts to let your mom read a romance book because if there's spice then there's <laughs> yeah well so she some again my mom gave me my first romance book and we've always been like right. very open you know and sleek kitten is probably the tamer of all my books okay and it takes a little while before any of the spice kicks in um mm-hmm. And she's a huge reader. And like, I really, as much as I'm a control freak, I want to share things. So like, I'm the worst at keeping secrets. Like, I just want to tell everybody everything. So I'm like, I wanted to share it with someone. And her feedback was great. You know, like, she loved it. And so like every, and this, this is still true today. When I write every night, when I finish writing, I email her my manuscript and she reads. And then she'll email me or she'll text me back in the morning with her edits. Um, because then that if she has so like, if I, yeah, if I miss a word or something, because then it makes it a lot easier. Because then when I go through and do edits again, my edits, like just to like rearrange wording and things like that, she'll mm. read it too. My mom reads these books more than I do because then she'll read it again and like just help me find any any errors. Um, but the first time I had to send her a sex scene, it was awkward. Um, and like, and it wasn't a full on, it was more of a handsy thing. Um, and I just in the email subject line I just wrote lol and then I sent it to her because I'm like there's no there's no getting around this and then and now I mean you've read King now she's she reads King as I do it and I'm just like you know what we've we've passed that line (laughs) I don't want to be in the room with her while she's reading it like she's in her house I'm in mine I'm not going to read it out loud to her it's just through technology yeah yeah we can pretend this isn't actually happening but it's good to have so she's kind of my alpha reader you know because then she'll comment too she's like oh did you mention this already you know something like that and then I can kind of go back through so it's very helpful she's very helpful (laughs) but that's really sweet it's really cute (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's fun Uh, so one thing I want to ask you is that obviously king is a red flag and while writing such things do you 
feel it's kind of therapeutic because it does calm our minds it lets us escape into another world so how what kind of effect does it have on you when you write a such a, such men or such characters yeah i mean i love them so much like just the over the top the possessive the obsessive like they're my favorite characters to read they're my favorite characters to write and it's just like because it is it's that fantasy world like i love that fantasy world where like he's just doing everything he's providing everything because in real life i'm not that way again control freak if my husband tried to tell me what to do i'd be like no (laughs) it's not like literally not gonna work that way like but in the book world it's so much fun i don't know i just love it and so it is a way to like live out the like this is a fun it's a fun fantasy because again like in real life like if someone tried to control me that much i'd just be like i can we're we're done (laughs) i'm out (laughs) i'm calling the cops which is what you should absolutely do on king you know like but but yeah in book world it's different nice i love that (laughs) Uh, and what is your writing process like do you plan everything out or do you just let it flow I am absolutely a planner. Um, I outline everything, which like in real life, like anything outside of books, I wing it. Like I'm not a planner. It drives like the people around me crazy. I just like show up and like whatever, we'll figure it out. But like in book world, it's different. Like this is the only thing I don't procrastinate. (laughs) I, I don't wing it. I outline it. And for me, that makes the writing process easier and quicker because I'm able to like, so King's timeline was really crazy short um because i had to get it done for a special edition that's happening for babe in australia which i leave for in a few days but so i like wrote and edited king i think in like five or six weeks um which is stupid like don't ever like i was it was morning to night 9 a.m to like 2 a.m like getting this done um that's not normally how i do it like normally i take my time it's still it's only like a month or two to like actually like write it but then it, like I, I you know it's it's not as frantic um but once i have an outline it's i'm not i don't have to sit there and think about what happens next i just know you mm. know so you can just like kind of flow through and that also allows me to work on so i only write one project at a time I do it start to finish. I don't have like unfinished books out there, but I have, I think 10 outlines right now for other books to come either like finishing series or like a new series, but that way I can have all those going. And I think of a idea that can go here. There's a scene that I took out of Nero. I put into King. I took out a King. I put into book three. I took out a book three. I've put it in four. Cause I'm like, it's a scene I like and I want to do it sometime, but it's like not working in these books, but then I can just cut and paste and like move stuff around and you can make it work for different characters so I, I'm a big proponent of the plotted out uh, mindset, but I know everyone works differently. Like it's creative process. So some people just sit down and write, and I think that's totally bonkers, but it works for them. So good for them. Yeah. <laughs> Can't do it. But I love yours also. <laughs> uh, how long does it take you to write a book? Like you said right now, uh, King took you five to six weeks. That's crazy. But yeah. on an average, how long does one book take? On average, it's normally about two months to write it. Um, I became a full-time author at the end of last year. So the first six or seven, first seven books I wrote, I also had a full-time job. So I just wrote it at night. Like, And I'm a night owl. So like it would be like from 10 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. would be like when I would be writing because that's just I I like the night whatever that's my time um so it took a while for me to like get used to 
writing during the day you know like once it once this became my full-time job it was like having to train myself that like I can write during the day it doesn't have to be dark out you know <laughs> like mm. to kind of switch that mindset um so now it's when I'm working on something like I write every single day for the most part unless something crazy is happening at, at mm. home and sometimes but sometimes it's just a couple pages sometimes it's 20 pages you know so it's really more of me just trying to get a little bit done and make progress but that kind of two month time set is about normal and then I give myself a couple weeks to edit and like when I edit that's like adding like 10 to 20 pages it's like get going through the details it's not proofreading I pay people for that I have hired editors that are way smarter than I am that can proofread and like check for grammar and punctuation mm. um and then they take it and that takes a couple weeks so it's like the actual writing part is a smaller chunk of it, like getting ready to publish because then you have yes. like all the back stuff and then like the arcs go out and everything else. And it's like, it's a lot. So I have a date in mind for book three that I, I don't say, like, I know some authors will like be like, here's my five dates throughout the year that I'm doing. I'm like, I'm not doing, I'm not messing with that. I'm like, I will tell you when it's done and then we'll pick a date. <laughs> but, yes. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. So I think everybody experiences doubt in their life and whatever in whatever they do. Do you also face sometimes self-doubt? And if you do, how do you overcome it or face it? Yeah, I'm lucky enough to have a really good group of friends and family and readers that are incredibly supportive. Um, there are always, I mean, there's always jerks, you know, like especially online, especially with reviews. Uh, and that's where... I've I learned real quick that I do not do well reading my bad reviews. <laughs> I don't think anyone really does. I know some people claim they do, but I don't really believe them. I don't think anyone likes that. Um, and that's where like the doubt will really kick in when I first, because Mr. Sin was the first book I published and I had very few reviews and I would read them, which was stupid. But, you know, the first couple of reviews are always good because they're like family and friends. Um, but I remember like the first bad review I got that was like, this was boring or this was, I don't even remember what they said. It was long enough ago. But it was like, I mean, that it, like it hurts, you know, like people think that they're like, eh, it's just a review. But I'm like, no, you put your heart and soul into like writing a book, whether it's a smutty book or not, you know, like there's a lot of effort. So like, that's where I'd say like the bigger doubts come in is when like you just get like the haters. But I've learned my lesson. I don't read anything that's not like a four or five star review. Even then, I tend to only look at the fives because <laughs> people too will like, I don't know what they're, th you know, they'll be like, Force, it was, it was great, but I didn't like this part or I didn't like that part, which is totally mm. fair and totally fine. But like you internalize that, you know, mm. and you're like, mm. so then it gets to you. So I'm like, I've just learned that I can't do that stuff. Other than that, like I'm, of, my parents raised me with a lot of confidence. I'm a very cocky person. I mean, I have my own insecurities uh, like everyone does, but as far as like, producing good work like <laughs> they've like I'm like I think this is great and I still feel good about all of it but it's like a, I still don't want to hear any of like that bad stuff because I know myself well enough that that will stick with me so I've learned and I just I don't go on goodreads I don't look at anything that's not specifically sent to me <laughs> you got to set your own boundaries yeah and it's okay not to uh, look at all those reviews you don't need to look at them right we can tell right. ourselves that uh, it's fine if we don't look at them our yeah. mental piece is more important absolutely yeah okay so now this is exciting uh, everybody is talking about that one scene as you said uh, the spicy basement scene and <laughs> i just want uh, our listeners here to know how much spice can they expect from this book according to you how many peppers can they expect 
in pink. So <laughs> this is where like I don't know what most people use for like the pepper rating, but like I would put this as like a four out of five. And that's for me, like a five is like just smart. Like, you know, like yeah. it's a book that's just for smut. Like, but that's my rating. Cause I had someone rated as a three and I was like, that seems low, but, but I don't know what they're reading, <laughs> you know? So like, but I will say too, this is a slower burn yeah. as far as like actual, like sexy times goes. Cause like, because I think it's strangers and yeah. something needs to happen. Right. Right. I think it's like 150 pages in or something like that. Because when I was writing it, I'm like, damn, this is farther in. But I'm like, but it's also four days. Like, so it's Mm. like four days from when they very first meet each other. So I'm like, so this is still pretty quick, you guys. So like, (laughs) I know there'll be some people that are like, this is kind of slow. But I'm like, but it's really not. Because again, they were, yeah, like you said, strangers who met four days ago and he kidnapped her. You know, like, this is still pretty quick, I think. (laughs) Um, And I'd like to think that there's like enough, like sexual tension and you know you get like a kiss in there and some other stuff so like I hope you feel like you know you're still like getting that excitement even though they haven't done the deed so to speak but then once they do there's quite a bit of it (laughs) Uh, but that also like has to build up to that that scene wink wink like there's things that has to happen where they have a few conversations where you realize that this is what they want to try uh Yes. So like it just it yeah, it needs to happen that way. <laughs> yes. So if everybody listening here is excited, you need to grab this book. <laughs> and yeah, one thing is that I read Nero super fast. Uh it was it, my first book of yours and it just was I was just flowing through it so fast. And I think that your writing style is very easy to read. So do you think that uh, reading romances is very easy, but do you think is it as easy to write it also? You know, it's a good question. And I I remember like the best compliment I ever got. And it's my friend who now I'm friends with, um, Maria. But she had said, she's like, reading your book is like listening to my best friend talk. And I was like, that is like the nicest thing anyone's ever said. And that's how I want it to be. Like, I don't think reading should be hard, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that especially with like, school and I can only speak to the, like you know like the school system over here but like it f- makes us like we read stuff because like we're assigned it we have to do it we're supposed to take something away from it and it makes people hate reading like a lot of people don't like reading or they think that it has to be hard or difficult or some sort of self-help book in order to like be worthy of reading mm. but it's like just because you're able to read it fast or you re- like really enjoyed it while you read it like doesn't mean it's a, like a bad book or anything like that mm. you know so it's like so people outside of the romance genre, I think, always think that, you know, right? They're like, oh, it's just an easy read. I'm like, why is that Why is that insulting? You know, like, why is it bad to have something, like, that you can just, like, fall into and enjoy? And I think it's, I mean, I've, I don't want to say they're easy to write, but, like, I, it, it works. I mean, it's how my brain works. So it works well for me. It's easy for me to go through. And it's like, you know, ultimately romance is about like people and emotions and human connection. And obviously there's a bunch of other stuff and like, you know, we add things to make it exciting. But like, you know, we can just draw from your own life a lot more than you can if you're writing like an alien sci-fi book, you know, where you have to like create worlds or something like that. Like the the people are the world when it comes to romance. Yes. 
I love that. And I think when you say it's easy to write, I think that's fine too because that just shows that you're talented and you're so <laughs> creative. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> and uh, I want to ask you this. Where did you get the inspiration for the Alliance series? Like you said, it's the one of the uh, only dark romances you've written. So where did you get the inspiration for them? Or, or the characters also? Yeah, you know, oh God, I don't even know. Like, I just, I, I mean, I love dark romance. I love mafia romances. I've read so many of them. And I really, like, so there's always one scene that inspires the book. Like I said, like the kiss cam for the hockey one, for Nero, or for King, it was the opening scene where I was just like, that would be fun. What could we do with that? And for Nero, it was the walking through the balcony, which is, I mean, the opening scene of Nero is that, She's watching a movie on the second floor apartment with her balcony door open during a storm. And like this man in a suit just like walks into her apartment (laughs) and sits down and watches Wizard of Oz with her. And she has popcorn. And like, and I just thought that'd be like fun. Also too, like who hasn't had like that, you know, when there's like a thunderstorm outside and like the lightning and like you've watched enough horror movies where something's moving closer and closer. And I'm just like, that's always been like a fear of mine. So I was like, let's, let's make it sexy. Like, let's just have some guy walk in um yeah right love that okay so the next thing i want to ask you is you dedicated this book to your pets to your dogs and uh one of my favorite characters in the book is duke so is there anything in duke that is connected to your uh actual pets the real ones that you had or is he just fictional you know i he's like <laughs> He's like my dream dog. Now, uh, not in like the breed or anything like that, but just like my dogs don't listen well. They're not <laughs> that smart. Like, yeah. Like, so I dedicated it because I had my one dog passed away the night that Nero released and it was super sad. And, you know, it's just traumatic. It always is. Um, And so now we just have the one and I love him, but he's he's special he has literally half a brain he had a birth defect he's very sweet but very dumb um so like the idea of having a dog like duke that is like super well trained and like (laughs) just on that same wavelength like i would love that (laughs) but i'll never have that because i'm not that disciplined and i'll never be able to like train a dog that well so like i loved having him in there and as a dog person like you want to write them into every story but also as a dog person you know how much work they are so like if you have just like a single girl living in the city with a dog like she can't stay out all night you know she's got to go home and let her dog out so like i don't get to include them in stories as often as i want to um but king was the perfect character for it because he's you know like a billionaire he has like security on his property a big fenced in estate so like other people are helping him with the dog you know someone's letting the dog out and duke's on patrol and so it was just a great fun way for me to be able to include dogs. Cause I think, I mean, in Nero, they had, they rescue a dog, um, which I, I loved adding that in there. Yes. And they mentioned that King had dogs. So that was kind of the setup to that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think other than that, I have a book sin too. I think that's the only other one that has dogs in it. And so it's just as a huge dog person, like I just want to include them as much as I can, but I know you can't always. Cause it just, you know, there's logistics in real life that you have to consider. Mm. So it was just super fun for me to be able to add that. And it fit King's personality to have like a big intimidating, you know, yes. security dog. <laughs> love that. Love Duke. And I hope everybody <laughs> will read this book for Duke. <laughs> <laughs> just for Duke. Yes. so uh, I think the next question is so I put up this story where I asked people if they have anything to ask to ask you and I got three questions so I'm going to ask them Uh, so 
the first question is when you write curvy girls what size would they actually be <laughs> okay this is a good question and one that i'm going to give a bad answer to because i'm not going to give an answer so because i've had this asked before okay this is a long answer just buckle in with me okay right like cuz i will say curvy girl or i'll say plus size like i'll vary on what i what i call it and the reason for that too is that people in their minds have preconceived notions of what like plus size means and so for some people because also body dysmorphia is real right like we all grew up in a terrible society that trains us to like think that the thinner you are the better you are whatever and we all hate our own bodies and society has also taught us that because they want to sell us things so when i first started writing one of my She's now, again, become a friend because I always end up becoming friends with my readers. And she told me how much she related to these characters because, like, she's a bigger girl and she liked that they have thighs and blah, 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 and goes on. And she tells me she wears a size 8 pants, which I don't know how the size conversion works here to there. But, like, I was like, girl what you are not (laughs) you're not a big girl a plus size girl but it showed me too that like someone her size also relates to my characters so i try to be vague for that reason because Mm -hmm. i want people to be able to really obviously if you're super super slender you're not going to be able to relate but but even super slender people have body image issues like we all have body image issues there's always something you like or don't like you know you want bigger or smaller so for me personally like i'm a bigger girl i wear a size 18 pants so like when i'm writing i'm you know we all kind of picture ourselves in stories and so like this is kind of the body type i'm imagining more or less you know i don't picture myself as these characters i'm not writing me but you know what i mean like that's that to me that's what curvy plus size is but i want it to i want the people that are the eights and the tens i want the people that are the size 24 or 30 i want everyone to be able to feel like they can see themselves here and there's also a stigma around the term plus size which is stupid there shouldn't be but again we live in society and reality whereas people will see something labeled plus size and they'll be like oh i don't want to read that you know so you're like "Mm." but it's not just about her being a big girl like that's it's just a part of the story and like we use it as a trope and like label it that way so people that are looking for it can find it but then there's people that'll be like i don't want to read about fat girls you know so so then I'll say curvy. And then I had someone recently, they're like, well, when you say curvy, do you just mean like skinny with like boobs? And I was like, no, <laughs> never do I mean skinny. That's not, you know, but then I went on to say this whole thing. Like, like I try to leave it somewhere in between so people can interpret it however they want, because I want people to feel like they can relate and which is why I'll never put actual sizes in a book. I'll never put like a weight. Cause I remember reading a book where someone, it was years and years and years ago. And this person was describing a big girl who was like 5'10 and like 170 pounds. I'm like, what? That's like a model. Like, that's not a big girl, you know? And so I'm like, so anytime someone puts like numbers in there, I'm just like, I'm completely out of the book now and I can't relate because now i'm trying to figure out like what that actually looks like (laughs) so yeah which is (laughs) and it makes it hard too for everyone that tries to make like aesthetics for a book or like the reels Mm. or stuff like that is because i don't really have good curvy plus size images so a lot of times i'll see like aesthetic boards that like look really cool and the girl's super thin and you're like (laughs) okay (laughs) you know it's like i appreciate all the work people put into those so like i'll never say anything but it is it sucks and it sucks because those pictures aren't available you know because we Mm. for some reason just don't have them 
and so the best thing is just uh, take it in the own in your own way whichever size you think is perfect is it's all good it's fine right and, yeah <laughs> yeah there's no perfect size <laughs> no no there isn't right yeah and you you pick something so like i know i've used like double digit pant size like i know i've said that before like in one of my books i don't remember which one it was i think it was like a sleet one because it's like that's like the only nod i'll put to that like so it's like yeah when i say yeah. curve but i mean different books talk about you know like in the darling book she's wearing like the chub rub shorts underneath her dress you know like you have some like specific things that girls understand you know <laughs> so then i feel like that's where people can try to relate more Yes. So, and whoever is not reading about these curvy girls, you are clearly missing out because they are having <laughs> a lot of fun. <laughs> yes. So, the next question that I got is, what's the most difficult thing about writing characters for the opposite sex? Well, good question. Okay. The most difficult thing is, <laughs> like, truly, for, like, the sex scenes, right? I don't know what it feels like for him. <laughs> like so that part's a guess like and from reading enough other books and everything else so like when it's in his pov during those scenes like i think it's you know it's the female gaze right it's like it's how i interpret yeah. it and i just have to hope it's good enough um but i also feel like people like my readers aren't judging that they're just enjoying it so <laughs> like that's probably i think i think probably technically the hardest part because i think a lot of times too like men and women think very similarly a lot of the times like mm -hmm. i think you know again society makes us think that like we're super different um yeah. but a lot of times we aren't like a lot of times they have the same insecurities we do you know they're just not allowed to say it i mean we're not really either it's you know we're all we're all messed up <laughs> like we all have baggage uh so i think like you know just kind of letting some of that through and i think it helps being able to when you do it in their pov and you can do the internal dialogue because again, sometimes maybe they don't say it all out loud, but we can still see it when they're thinking it. So I think that that gives a little more freedom to doing the male side of things. I don't know if that answered the yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, but... <laughs> it did. It did. And like, so the next question that I got is: Were there any scenes that you edited out of any of your books that you wish you hadn't? There's not a single scene I've ever cut from a book. Oh. Not once, not ever. This is where that control freak thing comes in. If someone came back after reading a book and said you should cut that, I'd be like, no. <laughs> this, I love that. The, <laughs> this is also where that outline comes in. Because this is to, like, again, everyone has a different process. I get it. But, like, I have a lot of author friends that have, like, not done an outline and they like write and have to then go through and like cut like chapters and then rework stuff. And I'm like, you are giving yourself so much more work. Like, if I'm going to put in the effort to write a scene, I'm not cutting it. Like, that's staying in there. So, mm -hmm. so no, there's nothing that anyone is missing that I've cut out. Uh, not a single scene. <laughs> You're the best. You're so smart. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, the one, one last thing that I want to talk about is all the new books that are coming out of yours. And so, you, uh, so while stalking you on the internet, I just found <laughs> that... Uh, there will be four books in the Sleet series, three books in the Darling series, four Alliance books, and three in the Bite Holiday series. Is this correct? And how many books can readers expect? You said there are 10 outlines you have, so we are excited to know what's coming out. Yes, yes, that is all correct. And then there's also a fourth coming out for the Sin series as well. And that is book 
So that's Ty's book. And you have actually met Ty in both Nero and King. So his story kind of intertwines. So like that'll kind of bring those two worlds together. Um, so yeah, every one of my series is unfinished, which uh, like it, it is what it is. <laughs> so I'm trying, my goal is to not do that with the Alliance. My goal is to write all four in a row and not leave the fourth one out and have to come back to it. Cause it's kind of hard to change like mindsets. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I've been like, if I was smart, I would work on the next holiday book right now. Cause I could probably have that done by the time I'm back from Australia. Cause I'm going to have like 60 hours of plane time between there and all the in-flight, whatever. But I'm like, but I can't switch from my dark romance to holiday rom-com and then back to dark, you know? So I'm, I'm just sticking in the dark world. Um, but I will start writing book three, saturday i don't know when this airs but like so on the 27th i fly to australia and i have like two and a half weeks there leading up to babe which is a big event in sydney which is gonna be fun but again there's like i mean it's the longest flight ever so i'm gonna start writing because i have the outline done and then hopefully by the end of the year i'll have written book four i may or may not get a new holiday book out this year originally i wanted to but like i don't know that it's worth changing my like messing up my my flow to like get that out so i might just be re-promoting second bite this year but then yeah i have to finish the rest of those series and then i have another three book series with the outline started that's another sports romance and that one ties into book four of the sleep series so like you'll kind of see a little snippet of that so like they all kind of tie in together everything that i write is in the same world which makes it a lot of fun for me because then i can have things like the coffee shop that shows up in every series and like the mm. specific barista who's popped into three different series you know so it's like it makes it fun i have to take a lot of notes <laughs> to keep it all straight in every way we are very excited for any book that comes out <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you so before we wrap up do you have anything you want to add or anything that you want to say This has been a ton of fun. I love, you know, I love coming on other people's podcasts. I'm super excited for King to come out. Again, this is like the most hype I've ever had for a book. And every book, you know, like I get more followers and readers as time goes on. So like every book has a little bit more Mm. momentum behind it. So I feel good about it. Again, all my ARC readers have been very positive and have liked the the messed up stuff I've written in this book. So (laughs) that makes me feel a little more confident releasing it to the world and then i will just avoid all the bad comments because they will be some and i just don't need that so yeah. you're perfect and thank you so much for doing this it was so much fun it's so easy to talk to you you're absolutely had a fun time here it was so much fun i, I love this yeah. thank you for the me conversation too. and no, thanks for having me and i'm very excited to read all your other books also everyone may 25th is the day mark it down grab king right away <laughs> Uh, get it i hope you all enjoyed this conversation see you in the next episode and bye bye have a great day everyone